When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, your Ohio State coverage chief from Cleveland.com. It's our Tuesday pod, and we're starting something new. We did something new on Monday. Mark it down Monday. Nathan, have you acquired the rights to Mark It Down Monday? Have you copyrighted that yet? It's patent pending. Patent pending? So that'll be another thing for the T-shirt slogan. Mark it down Mondays. Hope you listen to that. Our new Monday podcast where we make declarative statements and then fight about it. Really good. Um, Nathan's idea. And now we're going to move into some position group breakdowns. And this came from a, like, a old question. Not that old, actually. From the 202 from our tech subscribers said, has there been an in-depth linebacker podcast? Seems like a stacked room. And I thought, well, no, there really hasn't. And so what we're going to do is we came up with a format. We're going to go through all the position groups for Ohio State. We have 11 different position groups. We broke up the offensive line and the interior and tackles. Um, and we're going to go through sort of what we think about it, where it stands. Are they going to be better than last year? Will they be better in 2021 than they are in 2020? What's our crazy prediction for that position group? Who's the key guy? What's their strength? What's, the, what's their weakness? We're going to do this on the 40-minute the podcast. As we, We're going to sprinkle these in, these 11 versions of the podcast over the next couple weeks. But we are starting with linebacker because linebacker is kind of interesting. Like Steven, right? Is it like, They have a lot back at linebacker, but kind of interesting, right? It's interesting because it's a lot of names. But, you know, it's, it seems that it's been that way since his 2018 recruiting class showed up on campus, and yet – the interesting thing is, are those a lot of names going to end up being production on the field, or is it just going to be the same guys like it has been every year so far? So we have the format. Uh, a couple questions from this person in the 202 who sort of got us, got us started down that road. Can Brian Browning uh, really have a breakout season at outside linebacker? Is Toronto Mitchell – What did I say? Oh, God. I haven't done that in a while. Brian Browning, Brian Browning, the Glenville offensive lineman from like 2010. Boy, it has been a long time since I've done Baron Browning wrong by calling him Bryant. And that's your guy. Well, see, but Bryant Browning was my guy, too. I freaking love Bryant Browning. You you just like people with the last name Browning. I think that's what it is. But I did think Jake Browning, the Washington quarterback, 
mm. from the Rose Bowl, I did think he was a noodle alarm. So yeah. it's only yeah. it doesn't <laughs> necessarily apply to everybody. Yeah. Um, but I'm in on Bryant and Barron. So Baron Browning is Taraja Mitchell ready to step up and keep Tough Borland on the bench, and will um, Pope and Gant be able to get on the field? Stephen, kind of as you mentioned, there's these guys who have been sort of lingering there. So when we start each of these podcasts, again, we're going to break down the position groups. You guys will like it. You like it when we do this. Here are the people. We're going to start with the people. The linebackers on the roster for 2020 for the Fighting Ohio State Buckeyes. Seniors, Tuff Borland, Justin Hilliard, Baron Browning, Pete Werner. Juniors, Dallas Gant, Taraja Mitchell, Kayvon Pope. Sophomores, Craig Young. Freshmen, Tommy Eichenberg, who's a red shirt. Cody Simon, Court Williams, Mitchell Melton. And then, Stephen, uh, when we think about recruits, where are the Buckeyes with linebacker recruiting at the moment? Yeah, obviously in 2020, Court Williams as the Sam linebacker, safety, whatever he is, is, is the only guy who was an early enrollee. And then Cody Simon and Mitchell Milton will be joining whenever things reconvene for fall camp. And then in 2021, their only commit so far is Reed Carrico, Ohio native out of Ironton. He's one of 11 guys, linebackers total, they've offered. And I think a lot of that reflects the numbers that are already in the room. But he's the only commit and will will probably only be, be the only linebacker commit in the 2021 class. The way things are starting to shape out. But do we are we not calling Jalen Johnson a linebacker at this point rather than a DB recruit because we maybe think he's more like a bullet kind of guy? Probably, yeah. If we're going to throw him in the same – you know, umbrella as Court Williams, and yeah, let's just call him a Sam linebacker. Because again, in the in the world of a single deep safety, he's probably not yeah. that, and then you're probably not like a man up corner. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think it's fair to call Johnson and Carrico the two linebackers for 2021. So all right, we're gonna go through this. We're gonna break this down. Um, starting off with this question, that we'll do this for every position group. Will this group be better this season or last season? So Nathan, we'll start with you. Malik Harrison is gone. Tough Borland and Pete Werner back as starters. Baron Browning, the co-starter, he's back. Do you think the 2020 linebackers will be better than the 2019 linebackers? I'm going to say 2019 will stand up as being better uh, only because it's hard for me to say, well, essentially the same group of guys minus Malik Harrison is going to be better. I know they're a year older, more experienced and all that. Um, but that's, it's tough for me to say that you're taking a, a, a an NFL draft pick. Um, you know, you, one of the best guys on your defense period last year, taking him out of the mix. And now the same group of guys is supposed to be just as good. I think that could be a tough thing. However, as we'll talk about later, there's going to be some reconfigurations that happen here. So that makes it harder to compare, right? You're, you're removing some guys around and it becomes a different group, even if it's the same guys, but I, just for the sake of this argument, I'm going to say 2019 will be better, even if it's just slightly better. Steven, 2019 linebackers or 2020 linebackers? I might go 2020 because of something you just alluded to. I think the guys are moving around, mainly Baron Browning, um, getting going back into that will spot where he just gets to be you know, the five-star athlete that he was, the number one outside linebacker that he was when he got here. And I think Malik Harrison might be the Jordan Fuller of that situation where consistent, you know, he's going to be one of the top guys and tackles every year. But I think Baron Browning's upside might be higher, just like Josh Proctor's upside might be higher than what Jordan Fuller's was. Even if the, even if the the base level, you might take the consistency, but I think the 
the the level of playmaking that Baron Browning can bring to that spot can make the linebacker unit better in 2020 than it was 2019. That's a really interesting comparison because, and I think we've seen that. You see that over time at Ohio State, and that's the thing that's hard to judge Ohio State. Just because you lost a guy, lots of times there's a very good chance that the young guy coming up is better than the very good veteran that just left. Um, I think as we – as although I think Jordan Fuller's a good comparison, we could also see Jordan Fuller, sixth-round NFL draft pick, Malik Harrison, third-round NFL draft pick. So I think Malik Harrison is more athletic, is more of a playmaker in a comparison like that. And Baron Browning is like the key to this whole discussion. So, I mean, like – Nathan, you, you said you'd take 2019 probably, but right, like if Baron Browning goes bonkers and it turns out that they've just been playing him out of position for three years and he looks like a five star, then okay. Yeah. Then I think, and then you could see how 2020 could be better, but it hinges on what you think Browning's going to do. Well, and that's the caveat that I was dropping out there. And actually in my analysis later, um, I may, it may sound like I'm contradicting myself a little bit as we get to one of the other questions on your list. But, um, but yeah, I think that is it because it's, even though it is the same group, it's not the same group. It would be like if you were, you know, if you had five returners on the offensive line, but three of them were four, four returners on the offensive line, but three of them were going to play new positions or something like that. It's not really, it's, it is a new offensive line in some ways. So um, even though they're guys who've played together, they're, they're going to be doing enough new things in, in enough new places, enough new roles, uh, new responsibilities. I, it, it may not be a direct apples to apples to apples comparison. So I, you're right. And I think he is the, the one key player here because I think that's the question. Does he move to the not just move to the Malik Harrison position, but does he then assume a Malik Harrison like impact in this defense in a way that he's flashed it in his other roles in this defense, but it hasn't been a consistent thing partially because his snaps have not always been consistent i'm gonna play it safe and i'll, I'll agree with nathan that i'll, I'll lean 2019 just because i think malik harrison was a pretty darn good player and there's enough of a question mark with baron browning but of course i mean it, it could be the case that we look at the 2020 linebackers a year from now and be like holy moly they were awesome um but just because malik harrison i think malik harrison was like a sure thing you know, that guy played a lot of snaps here. He could cover. He could hit. Um, I thought he, he kind of was a, a, a bit of a modern day. It's like he, he was out on the on the edge, but he was a he was a bigger linebacker than like a Darren Lee, you know, kind of linebacker. He's a big, like, 240-pound guy, one of the bigger linebackers at the combine, but still had decent speed. Uh, in tribute to Malik Harrison, I'll, I'll take 2019, but barely. So then the next question is, Will the linebacker group be better in 2020, this coming season, or the following season in 2021? And this is a very stark contrast for the linebackers because we are operating in a world where Tough Borland, Justin Hilliard, Baron Browning, and Pete Werner, this is their last, this is the last season for all those guys. So there are going to be a lot of guys getting snaps in 2020 who are not going to be around in 2021. Steven, are you leaning this year or next year for the linebackers? Ooh. I might go uh, I might go this year because you know that's a lot of new I, I understand there's new guys this year and they're like moving into different positions, but at least they've been in this program. You're talking about a lot of the guys who are probably second year guys who are having to step up in the roles after probably not having much of a role with what we've seen with the linebacker units in 2020 all of a sudden they go from not playing at all to being starters, that's a lot of news. So I might lean 2020 
just because, you know, there's at least guys who have some experience who have been on the field before coming into this season. Nathan, 2020 or 2021? I mean, I suppose I wouldn't give too much grief to someone who wanted to say 2021 because of some confidence that they have in the athleticism and talent that they think that that group of three current juniors has. But it's it's faith without a lot of um, evidence at this point, just because there's there's some reason that they haven't beaten out the guys ahead of them for these spots now for the last two, three years. Um, and we could be going into a situation next year where all three of those guys – I mean, maybe none of them even still has a role this fall, a big one. We don't know that yet. They they talk about maybe, but we, we have to see it to believe it. So I, I think you have to say 2020 uh, just because of the, the wealth of experience that this group's going to have relative to what they're going to have next year. I feel like Dallas Gantt, Taraja Mitchell, and Kayvon Pope have, have kind of gotten like the backup quarterback treatment a little bit the, the past year for Ohio State fans, which is like everybody always loves the backup quarterback because he doesn't really have to show what he can do, but you have this idea in your head that if he got a chance, he might be better than the guy who's out there. And this happened in preseason last year when it was like, I think we were all ready for the idea of like maybe a, a linebacker job is going to be stolen away. And it was like, nope. It was Tough Borland and Pete Warner and Malik Harrison with some Baron Browning mixed in. It was that way in 2018, and it was that way again in 2019. And if Dallas Gant and Taraja Mitchell and Kayvon Pope were better than Tough Borland and Pete Warner, they would play. And they don't. But I bet, and we hear it, we know it from our tech subscribers. I had a Tough Borland thing I texted out a couple days ago, and there was like the immediate reaction of tech subscribers because we know that tough Borland is like a trigger word for some people because there's just an expectation of, man, isn't there a guy, a more explosive, a more dynamic linebacker that could play instead of this guy. But he's been, he's taken a gazillion snaps for Ohio state. The coaches are trying to do what wins them games. And that means putting tough Borland on the field a lot. So it is going to be really odd in 2021 if Dallas Gantt, Taraja Mitchell, or K- and Kayvon Pope are back as seniors who have, like, never really played. It's just going to be strange. And so I think I would go for sure with 2020 because if those guys actually are really good players, then I think they'll force their way into rotations now. That if Taraja Mitchell is a really impactful guy, then he'll be on the field in 2020. You won't have to wait till 21. If none of those three guys really have any kind of roles in 2020, then I'm not expecting them as first-year starters as seniors to be all Big Ten guys in 21. So I will go 2020. I think we all agree on that. Um, Biggest strength of this linebacker group. Again, it's not just about the three starters. It's the group as a whole. We work that bullet position in there, right? I mean, we know what that is now. Nathan, when you think of what these linebackers do well, what is it? I know this is maybe the obvious lazy answer, but it's experienced depth. I mean, they just have um, to have four guys who have played this much football in this system and who are, you know, this well-versed in the defense. Now you're going into, um, you know, a, a second year in the, the Ryan Day version and, and, and kind of the vision that he wants, even though you're changing defensive coordinators or half, a, half of a defensive coordinator, still the same vision that's being put together. And I think that helps this group. It's just, just that familiarity and that comfort level I think they have with each other, but just also their experience playing 
big time Big Ten football games. I mean, you know, tough Borland being a I know again trigger warning, but a three time captain. Um, even someone like like Browning who has had trouble earlier in his career getting on the field at times, despite what what talent he obviously had. Um, you know, it, it, he he's been a, a long time kind of just kind of a mainstay of this program. I mean, there's probably people around the Big Ten being like, "How is that guy still in college?" So um, th- this whole group to be able to you know plausibly put three multi-year starters, if you want to call Browning a starter, put three multi-year starters out at linebacker to start the season is uh, always an impressive feat, I think, regardless of who they are. Steven, what's your biggest strength when you think about these guys? Yeah, I think I agree with that. It's, you know, they're returning death. They only lost Malik Harrison. Even when they do go four linebackers, it's probably still going to be Justin Hilliard as that four linebacker when they play a team like Wisconsin or any other team who is run heavy and run only almost. But then also they're working with the exact same people, which are we know are more competent than what Bill Davis was here. Al Washington working with the linebackers while Ray Madison works with the Sam linebackers. So nothing's changed as far as the faces really outside of you, you lost your best player in that room, but everything else is pretty much coming back and everyone's a year older with a little bit more experience. Yeah, I, I think it's the potential – situational usage with these guys. Um, Al Washington talked about that, I think, a little bit on when we had a call with the assistants a couple weeks ago. I mean, everybody always wants to talk about playing a bunch of guys. Malik Harrison was kind of a was a was a three down linebacker and like that he was out in nickel situations and in base situations. I'll be very curious to see what they do like in a nickel look this year that if you told me we know Tough Borland's not out there when they're going two linebackers in a, in a, in a nickel look on a passing down uh, in the past, it would be that you'd take two of the three of Werner Browning and, and Harrison. I don't know, but like, if you told me that sort of like trying to keep guys interested and involved, if you told me that in a base defense, the linebacker look is going to be Borland and Mitchell sharing the middle with Browning and Werner outside and that when they go nickel on third and long, the two linebackers are Dallas Gant and Kayvon Pope. Like, I don't think that would be impossible in my head. Not that they necessarily are better than Pete Warner in that look or better than Baron Browning. But if you're running Warner and Browning as starters and you want to give them a little bit of a break, but you also, it's like, man, it's year three with these guys and they can't get on the field. You want to give Pope and Gant roles? I could see that a little bit. I think with those six top guys and Hilliard would make it seven, that Hilliard's mostly going to be in there against big-time running teams. I think maybe they have the guys that if they want to, they could be really versatile situationally and, and almost legitimately find a way for seven different linebackers to have actual roles on the team that I think could help for keeping guys interested and keeping guys fresh. I do think the depth could be a strength there. Biggest question, Steven, what's your biggest question about the linebacker group? Ooh, it's, it's almost the same as what the strength it, It's the opposite of what the strength is. Is, tough, is it just going to be what it's been in the past where we are, we've just talked about how there's some depth and, you know, you might see guys in different roles and things might open up for people. But then the season starts and it's just tough boiling. Pete Warner, and now it's going to be Baron Browning, but Malik Harrison in the past, is is that going to be the case again? Are we going to go through and have all these different scenarios, and then week four shows up? I'm sorry, we, they play Oregon. When they play their first real team, and it's Oregon, and it's just Pete Warner, 
Tough Borland and Baron Browning getting all the snaps. That's, I think, what the biggest question is. Is it just going to be more of the same or is anything going to change where you do have this depth and do you actually use it? Nathan. You kind of alluded to it before, but mine is just coverages. Um, are guys like, you know, and it's a corollary maybe to what Steven's saying as far as who else is maybe going to, and what you were just talking about also, who else is going to be in this mix? But, you know, are they taking tough Borland off the field more because there's other guys who can cover better than him? How will Baron Browning fare um, in the will spot in the coverages he has to do there? I think we saw some gains from Pete Werner last year, and they obviously trusted him to fall back and be that deep safety at times, even when they had to, to make pre-snap uh, adjustments. But I, I, I don't think that's ideal. And uh, how does his role affected by that? Are they going to, like you're saying, are they going to use some of these other guys? I just, how susceptible is this linebacker group to um, how, how vulnerable is it sometimes in, in coverages on those third down situations? Or will they turn out to, that turn out to be a strength of theirs? I think that's still very up in the air. So um, I have two questions. One quickly is exactly the manifestation of the bullet. I feel like really it, we figured out it's not about playing safeties at linebacker. That's not going to work. It's about recruiting linebackers who can do what you want to do out there. And Pete Werner fills that role in a big way. It feels like Court Williams is next with that. It feels like Jalen Johnson might be next up in the recruiting, that they're just going to recruit guys. You're not trying to turn safeties who are used to backpedaling into downhill linebackers, but you're just fitting guys with the right skills already, and you're starting them off at that position to begin with. So I just am curious about the evolution of that. And then it doesn't have to have a separate name. It's just your Sam linebacker, and this is the skill set you require there, right? So I'm curious to see how exactly that evolves. But really, my biggest question is about Al Washington running this group. And I asked Al Washington a recruiting question about this when we had him about, like, in year two, just being more comfortable. He talked about how he's going to be a much better recruiter. Um, I just am curious to watch Al Washington develop with this group because I think there are a lot of high expectations for how impactful Al Washington can be as a linebackers coach. I think Luke Fickle, for more than a decade at Ohio State, was a – Really good linebackers coach from top to bottom. Recruiting, development, relationships, strategy, utilizing personnel, getting the best out of his guys. I think he just was really good at it. And then we saw it was a big drop-off with Bill Davis. I'm curious to watch Al Washington just come into his own even more. He was at Cincinnati, then he was only at Michigan for a year. Then last year was the first year at Ohio State. I want to see what comfortable, connected, you know, now he's recruiting his own guys to the position. I just want to see the growth of Al Washington as a coach because I do think a lot of people think he can. He's going to be a guy who, if he sticks around for a while, um, is is potentially going to be just like a a really big time impact on this coaching staff. So um, we will be back with our final breakdowns, our final questions, our final confidence rating about the Ohio State linebackers. You're listening to our first breakdown, our first position group breakdown. We're going to do this for every group on the roster, uh, but we'll be right back with more on the linebackers on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk, talking Ohio State linebackers. And if you want to be part of this, it was a great suggestion from a tech subscriber that got us here. We love it, man. We love having people do our work, pay us money to do our jobs. That's how this text thing works. It is ticking up, 614-350-3315. You send a text. It tells you how to sign up. You try it for 14 days for free, and you say, ah, not for me. Or you say, ah, four bucks a month, eh, 
even if only a couple texts a, a week are any good, it's only four bucks a month. I mean, what if, what if like 10 of the texts in a month are good? It's like 40 cents per good text. But I think maybe like 50 texts a month are good. Now that's really a bargain. So try it. If you haven't tried it, try it now, 614-350-3315. And one of the things that we are going to be texting about more is some more recruiting stuff because we've sort of reassessed and revamped and added some help, brought in some people who are going to assist our guy, Stephen Means. Stephen, can you tell our, our listeners, because you'll feel this on Buckeye Talk a little bit too, how we are ramping up a little bit with what we're doing with Ohio State football recruiting. Yeah, we've put some firepower behind it. Uh, Cam- Cameron Fields has joined me in the search to hunt down recruits and to talk to them about everything that is their recruiting process when it, in terms of Ohio State football. So he and I will be talking to these recruits, and I'll be relaying the information they give to us, to you guys, through text, through podcasts, through posts on the site. And Tim Bielik has also come along for the ride. He'll be monitoring everything they do on social media. So if they post a TikTok video and they've got an Ohio State T-shirt, on you guys are going to know that they posted a TikTok video with an Ohio State t-shirt on. So we're wrapping up our recruiting recruiting reporting for you guys so you guys can get the best possible information and stuff out of us, whether it's text, podcast, or post, or YouTube videos for that matter. So we're just going to be talking to to more kids than we've ever talked to before. Um, There's a lot of great recruiting coverage out there on the Ohio State beat. We know that. And we're going to raise our level to compete with that. And so – if you're into this stuff, you know, you're not, you know, right at the moment you get our insights on the team and you get my rants about stuff and we involve you guys and we do surveys and we do polls and we give you lists and we, we answer your questions on the podcast. There's a lot of value in the tech subscription already, but now there's just going to be sprinkled in most days some little nuggets, some little tidbits from talking to the kids who have Ohio State offers or might have Ohio State offers or are thinking about Ohio State. So if that's important to you, we're going to provide even more of that. So, again, it's even more of a reason to try it, see what you think. We're recording this on Monday. We already have great information that's going to start trickling out there. 614-350-3315. Nathan, what is your crazy prediction or crazy thought about the linebacker group? I'm glad I get to go first because I might be stealing yours. Um, and this is I'm allu- I was alluding to how I might be contradicting myself because as soon as I thought this as like my potential crazy prediction, I thought this is not crazy. Uh, Baron Browning is the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Dang it! <laughs> so everybody, everybody's <laughs> crazy the exact so same that, way. That tells you it's not that crazy of a prediction, then, right? And that that's that that is I think in a nutshell what. Um, Baron Browning's career at Ohio State is and what his 2020 season sets up to be, right? Because he has, I think there's widespread belief in his talent. Um, we've, like I said before, we've seen it in flashes, uh, maybe even more than flashes, it'd be fair to say this past season. I mean, he was, he was a piece of one of the best defenses in the country, um, but he hasn't done it every down. He hasn't been given that every single down responsibility the way that other linebackers in this defense have the last couple of years and he's moving to a new spot but I also think um and I you've been writing about this for um as long as he's been in the program probably but you know moving him to the will I think there's a potential that that just unleashes him right that it, it sparks something new inside him um there's kind of a one of those just a spark and a burst and now we get to see him in the way that he could his, his natural spot where he could really just turn it loose. So that's, and you, you know, you see him being 
kind of what Malik Harrison was last year, except then maybe another level of athleticism a notch above that, right? So, you know, even more of a pass rush presence, um, more disruptive as far as, you know, hanging out with uh, tight ends or whoever he has to handle in coverages, running backs and that sort of thing. Um, just being a disruptive guy on a consistent basis, if, he, if his talent is able to just be out there all the time and, and he hits it, you could see something special. Steven, is your answer just ditto or do you have <laughs> something to add yeah. to that? Um, I was going to say Baron Browning potentially leads Ohio State in sacks. That has not happened since 2008 where a linebacker did it. Thaddeus Gibson had five. So, obviously, Ohio State wasn't getting a lot of sacks back then from defensive end. It was him and James Laurinaitis with four at number two. No one's had at least six since Darren Lee in 2014, and the last time they had at least seven or more was Ryan Shazier in 2013. I think we, we saw it a little bit last year when they would put Baron Browning in those situations where he would be like the rushing linebacker, Michigan State game, where he comes in and gets that sack. And then I think the second practice that we – the second practice when we went in there for interviews and we got a chance to talk to the tight ends and the linebackers, one of the things we saw as they were kind of wrapping things up there, Nathan and I saw this, Baron Browning was doing some drills with the defensive ends as well, you know, just to work on his, you know, pass rushing ability. So – to the point of he's the will linebacker, he's a little bit more freedom to be see ball, get ball. Well, unlike Malik Harrison, where he was just getting a lot of tackles and racking up those, maybe they're going to use Baron Browning with a purpose where he is out there to get sacks at times, especially in third down situations. I think he's in the Rushman package, right? I mean, yeah. he's a down lineman. I think talking about mm-hmm. that again, how you use guys – I think maybe one of the reasons there might be room for Gant or Pope or a guy like that to be at linebacker when they go Nicholas, because I think Baron Browning is going to be getting after the passer. I like him a lot as that stand up interior guy roaming, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a look that you can give. And again, they have depth at defensive end right now, but in the past we've seen them put defensive ends just inside as tackles to get after the passer. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's like, who do you want as an extra, extra pass rusher on third down? You want Tyler Friday? Or you want Baron Browning? And that's not a shot at Tyler Friday. But I think, I think I could see a world where their Rushman package, their get-after-the-passer package, and they've shown this at times, is, for instance, Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith as true ends. Maybe a guy like Jonathan Cooper, right, inside if you wanted to. But then the fourth guy in that package is Baron Browning, but he's standing up. And he's standing yep. right over the center, or he's standing right over a guard, and he's floating and he's looking for a gap. I think that makes a lot of sense as their four pass rushers. Um, I, I don't think, think he will. I think he will lead Ohio State in sacks this year. Oh, I and don't it, think it, that though. I, I, you don't think so? I think Zach yeah, Harrison. It, I just think they're going to rotate the end so much, and he may just have the most opportunity. But I don't know. I don't know that he'll get a lot of sacks on like first and second down. Yeah, right? it, yeah. yeah, and that's the, and that's the caveat. Why that's what makes it crazy is the majority of his sacks are going to probably come on third down. All right, so put a sack total on it, Steven. Sacks for Baron Browning this year. <laughs> Thank you. Target now. I'll, eight? I'll go eight. Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll go eight. I was going to say seven and a half. But I'll go eight. Nathan, I'm, I'm going to price prices right and go eight and a half. Okay. So I think. Don't you? Th- I, I think. I mean, how many sacks did Chase Young have last year? He had sixteen Chase Young. and a half. I mean, well, no, I, I, mean, I understand what he's doing. I understand I, what you're doing. See, do I think Zach Harrison will get ten? I think Zach Harrison will yeah. get ten. I mean, Bear Browning had then, Bear Browning had five sacks last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, so I, mean, I could see him doubling. I could see him getting 10. Well, I'll say 10. But you, I'll say but 10. A lot, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know because a lot of that was they – I think they used Baron Browning in ways where 
or the opportunities where they could use the advantage that they had Chase Young and draw all this, all this attention. The defensive ends weren't the ones taking advantage of it. Baron Browning was the guy taking advantage of it. Well, that decoy is not there now. So well, Browning had five and Harrison had four and a half. Right. That's what I'm saying. I think Baron Browning took advantage of Chase Young being on this team more than any other, anybody on that defensive line did. That's what I'm getting at. And I think you could. I mean, again, if you, if you were to tell me, well, we're going to slide Tyreek inside to tackle and have Baron Browning put his hand down as an end. I mean, I think there's a different, I, I agree with you guys. I think he's going to have a big role there. I just don't think he's going to get 10 sacks because I think he's going to have just like more every down linebacker responsibilities. And I don't, you know, they don't blitz a ton from that spot. They don't, you know, so, um, I mean, I think if, if he had five last year, I mean, I think if he had six or seven this year, I think I, w- I would say six, I'll say six and a half, maybe six and a half sacks for him. Um, my crazy prediction. And I, I don't disagree. I mean, like, that's fun. What you guys are saying is fun because, like, it's, you know, it would be a big jump, but everybody listening to this podcast can picture it. I will say this. If Baron Browning is the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year in 2020, I'm actually going to be mad about it because that means they would have screwed him up for the first three years of his career playing him out of position, right? Won't there be yeah. some, like, are you stinking kidding me the minute you let this guy – get on the edge and be a playmaker. He was the best defensive player in the Big Ten, but for three years you were jamming him in as the Mike linebacker trying to make him set up the defense. I'll be almost ticked off about that. There will be another uh, Bill Davis rant to be had almost. To I, I know that that narrative will be out there, but I think it won't be completely fair because as Baron Browning himself has said, um, he had to make some changes too along the way. And I also don't know that he was – just because he would be, could end up being great this year doesn't mean he was great enough to play over Malik Harrison last year. No, I agree. And I agree. And, and we're going to get to that point because I, I have, my last thought is, is related to that. Um, so my actually, my actual, my crazy prediction is could Taraja Mitchell look like mini Raekwon McMillan this year in that yes, tough Borland was a starting middle linebacker the last two years. But if you go back and look, he and Baron Browning basically had the same number of snaps. They really shared it. And with Browning going outside, I'm anticipating Mitchell and Borland sharing middle linebacker in the same way. I would, I would guess right now that they'll have about the equal number of snaps. Now, Browning and Borland had very different skill sets. I think Mitchell's skill set is much closer to Brown. He's more of a classic middle linebacker, bit of a thumper, probably a big, a lot of a thumper. Um, not as fast, not as dynamic as Baron Browning, probably more athletic than tough Borland, but still very much in that vein but I just had so much respect for what Raekwon McMillan did as a, as a sturdy yet playmaking middle linebacker. Um, you know, Taraja Mitchell's a junior too, and I thought maybe we'd see it last year, and we didn't, but that was because Borland and Browning were both ahead of him. Now only Borland's ahead of him. He's a natural middle linebacker. He'll be the starting middle linebacker in 2021. But I think maybe we see flashes and maybe to the point where it's like, I think we've talked about a lot. Tough Borland is often on the field at the start of a game, get a feel for it, be a coach on the field, help figure out what the defense needs to do. But maybe, maybe in the fourth quarter when Penn State has the ball, you know, down three with seven minutes left and is trying to drive for a tying field goal or a winning touchdown, maybe Taraja Mitchell's the guy on the field trying to make plays at middle linebacker. I think maybe – Taraja Mitchell just shows that, that like he has got it all. Doesn't mean he takes Tough Borland's job, but I think maybe he just shows us he is absolutely a classic middle linebacker. We've seen a bunch of those guys like that at Ohio State. Two more categories. 
the guy we most want to see play either in 2020 or in the future. It might be one of these younger guys that we're waiting on. Again, we had a lot of guys on this list, a guy like Court Williams, a guy like Cody Simon or Mitchell Melton, a guy like Craig Young, um, Tommy Eichenberg. Are there guys like that? Or is it one of these other guys that we have seen, but we just want to see more? Steven, who's the linebacker you really want to see? Court Williams, I want to see that because he's the first guy that has been recruited with the purpose of being what the Sam linebacker is now for Ohio State. Pete Warner has been developed into that now that he's here, but Court's the first guy. Uh, Jalen Johnson, the same, you know, hemisphere, but they he he's here with the understanding that that's the job, that's his going to be his role, that's going to be his job. So when you have a guy who has an understanding from the moment he gets here, it's not just something that hey, you're here, we think you can do this well. How about we move you here? I'm interested to see how that develops. Uh, it's a guy who's been playing it since he was in high school. So it isn't something he's having to learn on the fly once he gets to Columbus. Nathan, who's the linebacker you want to see? Well, I, I picked two because I thought uh, there was a chance someone would also take Court Williams, who was high on my list. I said Craig Young. I feel like he's a guy that gets a little bit lost in here because you've got this, obviously the seniors, and then the, the junior class that is um, this kind of forgotten class that just gets talked about a lot because of that. And then the freshmen that are coming in and, and the roles that we, we see them maybe getting. But then Craig Young's just this one sophomore by himself in this class. And it, a guy who was um, not necessarily highly ranked, but the guy whose name has come up multiple times as just having an intriguing athletic, um, what do you want to say, uh, potential, an intriguing athletic framework that he gets to, to kind of now try to utilize in the Big Ten. And uh, I don't know that we're going to see anything from him as early as this year just because there's so much talent ahead of him. But could he start to show something that gets him in the mix for 2021? <clears throat> All right, sorry. Mine is weird because it's Pete Werner. Who? It's like, why would you need to see Pete Werner? We've seen him. I think it's possible that of any – veteran player I've covered in 15 years of doing this, I may have the, the least grasp on Pete Werner of any veteran that I can recall because I still can't tell how good he is. And there's a lot of people on the internet and I don't know who they are. So this was like a, some it's CFB live 247. I don't, it could be some guy just making stuff up. But he just was going through stuff today, and he tweeted, Pete Werner is my number five rated linebacker for this upcoming football season. Okay, so, like, I have no idea who that is. I have no idea how much tape they watch. I don't know. But somebody in the world, maybe it's – I don't know who it is. Somebody in the world says Pete Werner's the number five rated linebacker, I'm assuming as a draft prospect, in all of college football this year. And I think there are people maybe listening to this podcast who think that Pete Werner's not very good. And I think Pete Werner is in between – the fifth best linebacker in college football and not very good. I think he was like, okay in 2018, but they had a lot of linebacker problems in 2018. And, and a lot of that was coaching. I think he was pretty good in 2019. And he was a guy we were sort of waiting to be passed. And they were like, no, 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 nobody's passing Pete Warner. It's a new coach. It's Al Washington. It's new defensive coordinators. And Pete Warner kept his job. I don't – what if it turns out that, like, Pete Warner is, like, really, really, really good? And I just – I still – maybe it's just my failing. I can't tell. Nathan, do you know if Pete Warner is really good or just kind of okay? Do you have a grasp on him? Or are you somehow, as he enters his third year as a starter – and I know you didn't see all the first two years, but 
do you still have a question yourself about what he really is? No, I feel like he's a a solid Big Ten linebacker, which I don't feel like is is saying. I, that, I think there's people who hear that and maybe think it's a slight because they think everybody's supposed to be amazing. It's really hard to be a really solid Big Ten linebacker. But I do have the question that maybe I think you're asking, right? That is this is he like first team All Big Ten? like, um, you know, upper three rounds of an NFL draft kind of linebacker. That I do still have questions about. And I think some of that, though, it gets determined by, especially the latter, it gets determined by your athletic profile more than your results. I think the results are there, right? I mean, they keep putting them on the field for a reason. They, they've had other guys who probably have more by the eye test a more athletic profile, but they keep putting Pete Werner on the field because he gets results. Um, so, yeah. So I want to see more of the neck. I want to come to my final conclusion about what the neck is really all about. That was uh, going to be my, my follow-up question was, when you watch Pete Werner, are you going to pull back from the focus so you can see all of Pete Werner yeah. instead of just the neck? It's hard for me. It's hard for me. Sometimes I just I think to myself, how did a, just a neck, how did just a neck make that tackle? It doesn't even, he doesn't even have arms or legs. He's just a floating neck, but he brought that guy down. So I do – that's part of my misread on Pete Warner. I think he only has one body part. Um, he knows about this obsession you have with his neck, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Just Absolutely. Sure. I think the next market down Monday is who on Ohio State football's roster has the second best neck. The second um, – I mean, do you want me to just like <laughs> – turn off this podcast and start diving into next study right now. I'm ready to do it. I think probably Pete Werner knows about my obsession with his neck because when I saw him uh, last August, I said, Oh my God, look at your neck. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, probably, he knows. that's probably when he got clued in uh, to that. I'm not much for the, like keeping stuff close to the vest. If I like your neck, man, woman, child, dog, bird. If I like your neck, I'm going to tell you. That's just how I roll. One thing that I want to add to this before we get to our confidence level, I'm going to give, as we break down these positions, I'm going to give my, the guys that are the best at this position in my 15 years covering the team, starting with 2005. And by the end of this, we'll have like little Dougie team. Um, this is no surprise. This was actually pretty easy. If I was putting three linebackers from my coverage era on the field for Ohio State, I would have James Laurinaitis in the middle. But man, I thought about putting Raekwon right there with him. I might even rotate him. Uh, with A.J. Hawk at one outside spot and Ryan Shazier at the other outside spot. And if you're telling me I only could take one outside linebacker as great as A.J. Hawk was, Ryan Shazier was just, like, unbelievable. And I remember when he was young, he just kept, like, going filling the wrong gap and stuff like that. It was like, once he figures out where to go, he is going to be unbelievable. Um, an awesome Ryan Shazier story. <laughs> What's your Ryan Shazier story? So I didn't know who he was yet because I think I was maybe – this is maybe after my first year of college. I'm, uh, don't call me that. But um, so we went to this church. I went to this church picnic, and like they were playing basketball, and they had a basketball tournament. And somehow Ryan Shazier and I ended up on the same team because when he was living in Columbus, we went to the same church. Um, and I have never seen anybody as competitive as Ryan Shazier. This is a church picnic, so it's a friendly basketball tournament. And the ref made a terrible. It was a terrible call. But he starts throwing the ball all over the place and throwing it. I thought he was going to fight the ref. And we thought he was on steroids that day because I've never seen somebody so amped up about a church football, ch church basketball game. 
And then three months later, we saw him on Ohio State football field. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense why he's that crazy. All right. Yeah. That's like your Ryan Shazier last dance story. Yeah. It's like who fights – who would fight a ref at a church basketball picnic? Oh, Michael yeah. Jordan and Ryan Shazier. Um, that guy was great. And he was – they asked him to do some stuff. I remember just like – it was Luke Fickle's year in 2011, and they weren't playing him. And it's like we were almost like begging, like, Luke, the season has exploded – Please play Ryan Shazier more. Uh, and then once he finally got out there, he was great. All right. Final part of our breakdowns as we do this with the position group will be the rate the confidence level for this season that we have in the position group as a whole. One is very low. Ten is super high. And then we'll, we'll, we'll get our final rating and then we'll list. We'll rank them at the end, our confidence level. I think we may have done a version of this already. But this is – the result of an intense breakdown of the position. Steven, your confidence level in linebackers for 2020, 1 to 10. I'm going to go 7. And the 7 is just because of what we've already talked about, about what Baron Browning's ceiling could be this season. And I think that's what's pulling this number up further than it would be if he didn't exist on this planet. So I'll go 7 just based off of, you know, that's a pretty high ceiling to say that a linebacker is going to steal an award away that, Larry Johnson's position room has owned for the past decade. Nathan, your number. I said seven, five. I think the thing to remember here is that's, that to me says you're a really solid (laughs) above average, strong big 10 unit. I think what's tricky though, is that if they're not, that may look worse than it is because they're not going to be a strong at the other positions as they were last year. Last year, the linebackers only had to be so good for that whole defense to be so good. And now that number's going to change, whatever number you would put on the whole defense and the linebackers separately. Um, so that's what makes it tricky. I think they're going to still be solid, but it, 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 it's tougher because you're, you're losing Chase Young, you're losing the two corners, you're losing a, a sixth-round safety, you're losing a lot of NFL talent off of this defense. I'm going to give them an eight because I think they have the highest floor on the defense, which I, I think you guys would probably agree with. It's kind of what you're yeah. saying, right? It's like, yes. we don't, there's a stuff could go wrong at corner. Stuff could go wrong at safety. Stuff could go wrong at defensive end. Stuff could go wrong at defensive tackle. They're at least going to be a certain level of competence. They've had their bumps and they even have enough depth that I think if like for like an injury standpoint, like if somebody went down, I don't think it would be crushing because they have three juniors who I think would be ready to step in. If any of those top three guys went down, I think like if a guy has an off year, they could just take some time away from him and play another guy more. I think they're pretty deep and they will at least be solid at the worst. And so then I think, you know, I think like there are seven, like I, I, I don't even know, like I think you have a, you make a good point, Nathan. Sometimes the people around you make you look really good and there's going to be more on them. But I don't think at the end of the year we'd say the linebackers, like, we're a five. That'd be like, oh, my no. God, all these veteran experienced guys stunk. So I think, like, they're probably a seven, almost like at the worst. So then it's like, well, what's the upside? Well, Browning upside, Mitchell in a Borland rotation upside, Pete Werner is actually really, really good, and maybe everybody realizes it. I think there's upside in multiple ways. So I'll say eight. I'll say I think I have a confidence level of eight because – you know, they've been they've been through the toughest stretch they'll be through. That 2018 linebacker season was a mess, and all those guys remember it. And they all learn from it. They're getting better coaching. They're getting used in smarter ways. They have better depth behind them. And I think there's a lot of potential for it. All right. 
What do you think, Nathan? We, we, the, the market down Monday was a new thing. Now the position group breakdown, new thing. How, how's our new stuff going? I think we're doing a great job of branding. And now people who are like really into one face of Buckeye talk can really get amped up for that, whatever their day of the week is. Yeah, and so I don't know exactly. We're going to sprinkle these in, right, because we're going to continue to have our season preview stuff. Um, the Wednesday, the big Wednesday pod this week will focus on Rutgers. We're going to have Keith Sargent from NJ.com, one of the Rutgers writers there, is going to join us. We'll talk to some other stuff. We'll get questions from our tech subscribers, include that on the big Wednesday pod. But we'll start, we'll sprinkle in these position group things here and there. Um, we'll dig into some more recruiting stuff here and there. We'll, we'll, can you, we'll continue to do some of these quick hit podcasts that the people like. Um, so we have a lot of things working, a lot of things working with the pod. We appreciate you guys um, being part of that. Um, one thing we didn't talk about, Stephen, there is a linebacker commitment coming on Wednesday, and it's a kid that has Ohio State in the mix for his final teams. What's going to happen with that? Yeah, he's – He's going to Clemson. That's what it's going to look like. Barrett Carter, number 56 player in the country, number four outside linebackers. Like we said earlier, one of 11 guys in his 2021 class with offers from Ohio State. He's going to join his teammate, Jordan Hancock, out of North Gwinnett in, in Georgia. They're both going to be at Clemson. That's going to be another guy that between the Ohio State-Clemson battle that continues to go on in the recruiting world, that Clemson is going to be able to say they won. They got Will Shipley. Uh, they got – George Hancock, and now they're going to get Barry Carter. We'll see what Troy Stilato decides to do. But as that continues, this is another win for Clemson, who after losing Corey Foreman, they seem like they're, you know, regrouping pretty solidly over there, down there at Clemson. All right, so that's our Tuesday podcast for Buckeye Talk. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the texts if you haven't. Uh, drop a review at Apple Podcasts. Um, we certainly appreciate those. And, again, get ready for the Wednesday pod. Lots of questions from our tech subscribers. Um, maybe we'll get into some fast food. We still have some fast food stuff to do, but we're going to hit Rutgers. Uh, what's going on with the Rutgers program? What might it look like? Is there any chance um, that the Big Ten would start playing football but not have all 14 teams ready to go? Because I think if you think about who might not be ready, Rutgers is probably at the top of that list because of where it's situated and what's been happening with the coronavirus in that part of the country. So we'll get into that with Keith Sargent, but we always appreciate you guys listening. For now, for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.